If you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I command you, and if you keep my commandments and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. God was good to give Solomon a special appearance at the beginning of his reign. It was even better of God to grant a unique appearance to Solomon the second time. God's answer to Solomon's previous prayer had a great condition. If Solomon walked before God in obedience and faithfulness, he could expect blessing on his reign and the reign of his descendants, and the destiny of David would endure forever. God didn't demand perfect obedience from Solomon. David certainly didn't walk perfectly before the Lord. And God told Solomon to walk before me as your father David walked. This was not out of the reach of Solomon. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Let's look at chapter 9 tonight. Last week we looked at Solomon finally building the temple. It took seven years to build the temple and 13 years to build Solomon's palace and all of his other uh, building projects there in Jerusalem. And, uh, and Solomon, finally, he brings up the ark uh, from the tabernacle in Mount Zion, which is just uh, south of the Temple Mount, the way it is today. And David, remember, had erected a, a new tabernacle for the Ark of the Covenant, and he had it there until Solomon's temple was built. And of course, David passes from the scene, and now his son builds the temple. He brings the Ark uh, from Zion, which is just a little bit south of the Temple Mount, brings it out, installs it into the new temple, and they have a, a big ceremony. Solomon gives a prayer of dedication. He gives a speech to the people. And uh, Solomon blesses the assembly, and finally he dedicates the temple with many sacrifices. And I, and I think uh, the number was really something. It was something like 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep that he used to dedicate and to worship in, in sort of like a, a, a ribbon-breaking ceremony for the temple. And they did that, uh, as an, uh, obviously, as an act of worship on the Feast of Tabernacles which is ironic as well. And so now we get to uh, chapter 9. And if I had to put a title on this evening's message, it would be accountability. Accountability. Let's just look at the first uh, nine verses of chapter 9 here. 
It says, And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, and he, as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me, and I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, if, And you know where I'm going to go with this, so you might as well start circling these descriptors. If, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I command you, and if you keep my commandments and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom Over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if, there it is again, but if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. Notice, all peoples, not just the Jews. And as far as this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? And then they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought on them all this calamity, all this calamity. And so uh, an interesting thing, but uh, I think of accountability when I read those, those first nine verses. And uh, accountability is something that is very important in cultures and in every facet of society, whether it's in the home in the schools, in the governments, colleges, wherever you're at, accountability is a very good thing. And it's basically, the definition of it is the quality or state of being accountable, especially an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility and to account for one's actions. And I'd like to add something to that, and it's usually... Uh, you're accountable because of something that you have heard, something that was spoken to you, something that was given to you. And as a result of that, now you are accountable to keep it and to be held accountable to that standard, to that statute, to that law, to that idea, whatever it is. Does, it, does that make sense? And that's something that is so important for us today because one of the highlights of this chapter is God making Solomon accountable for what he had heard, not only from his father David, but uh, from the Lord on a number of occasions. And um, these scriptures, uh, we're not going to go through each of them individually, but you might want to write them down. Um, they'll be up on the, on, the, on the website along with the podcast and all that later. But one thing, if we look at 1 Kings chapter 2, God... Uh, you know, David, or excuse me, David is speaking to Solomon in the second chapter of this book, right before he dies, and he basically tells him all that the Lord had told him. Remember the Davidic covenant that God had given to David, saying that uh, someone from his seed, from his own 
uh, body would, would ultimately sit on the throne of, of David, of his, of his kingdom, and his kingdom would endure forever. But there was also a condition that if they fail, then their, their reign will be basically cut off for a season. But it would ultimately endure. And we know that that is true because Jesus Christ, when he returns in his second coming, he will be the rightful king. As we've been looking at in Matthew, he will be the rightful king and is the rightful king to set on the throne of David, his father, right? And so, so in 1 Kings chapter 2, David uh, speaks to Solomon all of this. And then in the third chapter, uh, the Lord speaks to Solomon in a dream by night and basically re- reiterates the same thing. He reiterates the same thing. He reminds him of what God, God reminds Solomon what God told to David, and now he's rehearsing that before Solomon. And then in the sixth chapter, God speaks to Solomon again. And then in the eighth chapter, Solomon brings to remembrance, as he's dedicating the temple, what God had spoken to David, and also um, the responsibility that Solomon had as the king of Israel to perpetuate that that rule, and also to continue to be obedient to God. And so now, he's, now the whole nation hears this at the dedication of the temple. He, he basically says, you know, these things are happening, and this is what my father David told me, that God had told him, and that there would be not fail a man to sit on the throne, but, we have, but I have to, Solomon would say, I need to continue to abide by God's statutes and his laws. And then finally, in this chapter that we're looking at tonight, the first nine verses that we just read, the Lord appearing to Solomon again, rehearsing the same thing again. See, God holds us accountable for what we have heard and what we know. He does. He holds us accountable. In fact, in, in James, it says, therefore, let him who knows to do good and uh, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. There's an accountability baked, baked into that. Because if I know to do good, I've been equipped with the knowledge, but then I don't do it. I'm accountable to that knowledge. And to me then, it's sin because I don't do what I know I should do. It's like running a red light. I know it's not good. Why? Because they tell you in, in driver's training school that you can't run a red light. You're supposed to stop. You're not supposed to you know, fly by. And so I'm accountable. And, so, and also in Second Peter... Peter, speaking of false teachers, he says, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for that man than the beginning. And notice, verse 21, It would be better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. So the idea is that when you are made aware of something, you are accountable. And finally in Luke, Jesus said this, to his disciples. The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his father, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant when his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and to drink and be drunk, and the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers, 
And that servant who knew, and here it is, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to him who has much has been committed of him, they will also ask the more. We all understand this. It's just part and parcel of life. We are held accountable for our, our actions. And the truth of the matter is, is that in our lives we need to be accountable to a number of people. We need to be accountable to our spouses if you're married. We need to be accountable to our employers. We need to be uh, accountable to the local and federal governments around us and our friends and family. We are accountable to all these people. And guess what? They are also accountable to us as well. Or they ought to. Even local and federal governments, they're accountable by their constituents who have sele- who, who've, who've elected them to represent them, right? So they're accountable to us, not the other way around. But we are accountable to them, but they are also accountable to us, right? And God holds every soul accountable. So as we look at verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all of Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, the, the word there for Lord, you'll notice, is in all caps. And you probably know this already, but whenever you see Lord in all capital letters, that means that the Hebrew underlying that, always, usually in the, in the King James and the New King James, it means Yahweh or Jehovah. Okay, And Yahweh, and you'll see that also in verse 2 and verse 3 as well. And Jehovah or Yahweh is the one who keeps covenant with his servants. He is the one who keeps covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15. God made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7. And he's also, uh, and he will not break his end of the deal. He cannot break his end of the deal. He is always faithful. He is always the covenant keeper. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. And if we endure... We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also will he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. That's who our God is. He's he's Almighty Jehovah God. He is the covenant keeper. And he can keep his promises. I very rarely keep my promises. And I, I th- hopefully I'm getting better as time goes on. I, I try not to make promises. But when I do, I usually fail, but God is always faithful. So notice in verse 2, the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And notice that the second time that God is speaking to Solomon, which we've already read, that is reminding him of the necessity to continue to follow his statutes and walk with the Lord. He's reminding him, and it's very evident that God is very much aware of what Solomon is capable of doing. He's aware of what Solomon is going to do yet in the future, and at this time, Solomon has no clue. His heart is is right. His heart is wanting to do the right thing. It is, and at this time, it was certainly the farthest thing from Solomon's mind as he's dedicating the temple. It's the last thing from his mind is to do something against the Lord. Because this time that we're looking at right now is a time of great celebration. They just cut the ribbon, so to speak, and now the, the sacrifices are happening. The temple is, is in full swing, and there's a great joy. There's a great release, if you will, 
And it's a great and joyful time. The last thing Solomon is thinking of is disobeying the Lord. And the first time that he appeared to the Lord, we know, was in 1 Kings chapter 3. Let me just read it to you. You can make a note in your Bible right here next to this, but 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 4 through 14, because this is what, again, what God had spoken to him. Now the king went to Gibeon, and this is right after Solomon had become king, very early in his reign. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was where the great high place was. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar at Gibeon. And notice, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and says, He says, what shall I give you? So the same covenant-keeping God that met with Abraham, Moses, and David is now meeting with Solomon. And Solomon said, you've shown great mercy to your servant because uh, of David my father because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You've continued this great kindness for him. You've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of David my father, but I'm a little child. I don't know how to come out or go in. And basically, he and in, in, in this passage, Solomon just says, you know, I just need to have wisdom. I need wisdom. I, I need the things that I, 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 I can't learn, I don't know how to go out, I don't know how to come out. How do I rule and judge these people of yours, for they are great? And basically, to summarize it, God says, you know, Solomon, I'm really pleased with your answer. And of course, God knew what he would answer. He says, not only am I going to make you wise and give you great discernment and judgment, But I'm going to give you the things that you didn't ask for as well. I'm going to give you riches beyond your wildest dreams. And you're going to be the wisest man. There's going to be no one like you from before you or after you, with the exception of Jesus, of course. And so God does it. But at the very last verse, in verse 14, it says, So, after all of that, he says, So, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes, my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Pretty interesting. Solomon's very accountable now. He's been told over at least five times, and there's quite a few times, the same thing has been coming up. And see, God wants to make you and I accountable. And we are accountable. You and I have been given much. We have been given very much. I think of myself just having sat under Pastor Jeff for you know 23 years, and, and had the, the blessing of being here whenever the doors were opened, being in here. And the Lord has given me much. He's given you much. He's entrusted to us great wealth of knowledge. But we, obviously we can't just let it be knowledge in our head. It has to get into our heart. It has to change us. And the funny thing about life and about our own selves is that we have the tendency... We can, if we so choose, to let it all be up here and not so much in here. And that's a dangerous place when we are you know, allowing it to be up here. And we know we can spout all the scriptures, but we haven't let it really affect our hearts. And so we are accountable to God for the great wealth that he has given to us. And I say that to just to encourage you and just to remind you as well, because we have been given a great deal. Now notice in verse 3 there, it says... God says that you've built this house and you, to put my name there forever. Now, God did put his uh, name there forever, and he even shaped the topography of the Temple Mount, the very land that the temple is on, according to his name. 
according to his name. In the Hebrew alphabet, there is a letter, it looks like a W, and it's called a shin. And the shin is, uh, the Hebrew letter shin stands for Shaddai, which means God. So the letter looks like a W, is the letter Shin, and it literally, in the Hebrew, it stands for Shaddai, which is another name for God. And the reason why that's such a big deal, there's the, the, the letter you can see. But then if you look at the topography of Israel, it's quite amazing because you've got on the eastern side, on the right side, you've got the the Kidron Valley, and then you've got the Temple Mount uh, right to the west of that. And then to the west of that, you've got the Tyropian Valley, which is uh, right, uh, to the east of that, or west of that, excuse me. And then further west, you've got the Hinnom Valley that circles all the way down Mount, uh, underneath Mount Zion. And so this, this Hebrew letter that stands for Shaddai, or God, the very topography of the land, he's got his name emblazoned on Jerusalem. And you'll see in many places where he says, a place where I choose to place my name there. And this could be what he meant. I don't know. But it's pretty interesting, I think, to consider that Shaddai is the exact letter of the Hebrew alphabet that's, that, that forms the, um, the topography around Jerusalem. Pretty interesting. Now notice in verse 3, So the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer, Solomon, and your supplication that you have made before me, and I have consecrated this house, which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now one of the things, again, you might want to write in your Bible is the parallel passage for this chapter in chapter 9. Uh, and those parallel passages are Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses twelve through twenty-two. Second Chronicles chapter seven, twelve through twenty-two, and then all of chapter eight of Second Chronicles. That is going to be the parallel passages to what we're going to read now. And you can read, I'll highlight a few differences as we go along. But one thing that's interesting here, if you compare Second Chronicles chapter 7, 12 through 22, the parallel passage, uh, um, the Lord begins with what we see here in verse 3. And then he adds this very important conditional promise, one that we, have, one that we know and we've heard a lot. It's, it's this one. Second Chronicles 7.14, it's one that we've been talking a lot about, we've been quoting it. You won't find it here in chapter 9 of 1 Kings, but it was meant to be there because it was the same time frame. For whatever reason, the, the chronicler decided not to include this here, but that's what happened right after this. It says, if my people who are called by my name, God says, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Again, another conditional promise. If they do this, then I will do this. And again, you know this because I, I like to bring this out because there are some promises that are unconditional that God makes. When he says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you might also be. That's an unconditional promise. There's nothing we have to do to make that happen. It's going to happen. 
God made a bunch of those unconditional promises, but there are some things where he says, now you've got a responsibility. You're accountable to what I've shown you. Now what are you going to do about it? So if you do this, then I will do this. And while this promise was given to Israel initially, the principle, I believe, also applies to us in the church as well. And I say that because the Lord calls us to humble ourselves, doesn't he? In James 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And he also... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.